Hello and welcome to Automators, the automation podcast where we get all of the technology, apps, gadgets, the whole lot to do all of your bidding for you. I am Rosemary Orchard and I'm joined by my fellow co-host David Sparks. Hey David, how are you today? I am excellent, Rose. Um, always happy to be here talking automation with you. And today oh, yeah. we are zeroing in our automation eyeballs on Obsidian. Yeah. I mean, like, it, you know, we've we've danced around Obsidian before. We've talked about it a bit here and there. It's made its way into various episodes. We had Ryan Murphy on the show in episode 88. Um, obviously, you know, he's a he's a big Obsidian user, he's created plugins and so on for it. Um, but you and I use Obsidian every day. And I don't know about you, David, but it feels like my Obsidian usage is literally increasing on a daily basis at the moment. I feel like I've introduced five people at work to it in relatively short order, and they're all just loving it. Um, and it's just a really useful app that has become a really crucial part of my workflow. And it's automatable, which for me, I know I, I, it's a requirement if I'm if I'm looking for a new app, but I'm sure it is for a lot of our listeners as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is an impressive app and it comes up on the show. And I know some people really aren't interested in Obsidian, but a lot of people are. And the interesting thing, the automation side of this app is interesting because um, the app has certain automations built into it. There is a very robust third-party plugin community that is creating automation stuff for it. But then there's also like a different vector of automation because Obsidian's database is just a folder full of markdown files. So mm-hmm. all your all your normal automation tools can interact with the Obsidian database very easily. So there's just a lot of ways to get into that. And um, I know both of us have been kind of cobbling together systems as we use the app more. I thought, well, let's just do a check-in and see what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I mean, we should probably start at the beginning, right? So for people who aren't familiar with Obsidian or people who haven't heard before how we're using Obsidian, and of course, you know, checking in that you're still using it the same way as you were before. Yeah, how are we using Obsidian? So, David, how are you using Obsidian? Well, I mean, uh, Obsidian, if you've never heard of it, and I, I doubt there are many people in the audience that have, haven't, but the um, it is a application that lays on top of a folder of markdown files. And it gives you a way to navigate those files and link them together and perform actions on them via plugins. It's like a it's like a tool belt that you strap onto text. And uh, that is why so many of us love it, because it is just a folder full of text files. At the end of the day, there's nothing proprietary about it. Very easy mm-hmm. to get your data out there. I mean, there's nothing to it. And um, uh, so that being said, I find it extremely useful primarily for idea um, generation, review, note-taking. Like I have a folder in Obsidian. We talked about this on a fairly recent episode of Focused, if it, or maybe a future episode of Focused. I, I lose track of when I record things, Rose. But um, <laughs> I have one called Ideas for Now, where I kind of keep a note on big ideas I'm thinking about, and they can link to books I've read or media I've consumed. And I just love the ability that it's so nimble to let me jump around data that way. But it also can become what you call a personal knowledge management tool, you know, where you keep details and notes of things that you're just managing in your life. Like when did your dog get the vaccination kind of information, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, something that like historically people would probably put in Evernote. It, it's good for stuff like that. But in some ways it's better because they're just text files that can be linked and there's no proprietary database involved. Um, yeah. Uh, I use it for writing because it's a great writing tool because they're just markdown files. But a lot of the blog posts and 
and more substantial pieces I've written in the last year or two have been, you know, started life as an obsidian markdown file. So I use it for a lot. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like me. I mean, I've got kind of two split primary uses for Obsidian. Um, and that's split in the sense that I have two different vaults. Um, and I have limited it to just two different vaults um, in that I have my work vault and I have my personal vault. And I don't tend to split things up beyond that vault-wise. It's just either it's for work or it's for me. Um, and then um, within that, obviously, I've got, got my folders and so on to help me organize files as is appropriate and using tags and so on. Um, but one of the things that I have found over time is that as my usage expands and, and changes, uh, it's actually really nice to have those split up um, so that I don't necessarily have the same plugins installed in all the vaults because I mean, I'm mean i hoping we can talk about some of our, our favorite, not necessarily strictly automation related, but, you know, making work, making Obsidian work better for us plugins in a bit. But some of the plugins that I have for my personal stuff, I, I just don't need for, for work um, and vice versa. Um, it tends to be more personal ones not needed for work rather than work ones not needed for personal because I do a lot of code in my free time as well. But it, it's really useful to just be able to go, hey, like this is where I'm going to have like my reference data. For me, a lot of text still starts in drafts. Like if I'm not sure what something is it, or where it's going or whatever, I don't think about it. It goes in drafts and then I can send it off wherever later. We'll come back to integrating Obsidian with other apps in a bit. But for me, it, it is just, you know, like, this is data and I want to keep it. It's, it's going in here and then I can add my tags and so on. And I don't know about you, David, but I really like the YAML front matter where you can put um, a dash, dash, dash at the start of a file. And then you have key value pairs. So you write, you know, a word, colon, and then whatever the value is for that. So if you wanted to, that's where you could say write a title. Um, and if you want to write multiple things, you could separate them with commas or on a new line, indent it by two spaces, add a dash um, and then a space and then whatever the list item is, which is how I do tags. But I use this for custom things as well. So I'm just looking at, um, I have home documentation. I'm such a nerd, David. Um, I've got a network folder um, where I've documented a whole bunch of things on my network. And each of those things that I've documented has a YAML header at the top. Um, and it's got like the IP address, the MAC address, what room something's in, a category that something's in, the connection type, whether it's um, a wireless or a wired connection, um, and if a fixed IP address has been assigned um, so that I know, you know, what it is. And that that actually ties in really well for a whole bunch of other things because I've got all this data, but it's not like I have to write it out in some kind of way and then like match it out later because I think that for a lot of people with notes can end up being a bit of a problem because they do want a database attached in some way um, in that they need to be able to add metadata, but they don't necessarily actually want to, you know, like, do you want an Airtable and a file, a, a folder full of markdown files? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on how well you're going to be actually actively linking those. And I found for me in a lot of cases, I can just put the data in the file and that works really well. Yeah. Agreed. And, and I just feel like um, the whole thing is very elegant. And once you start using it and getting an understanding for some of the plugins we talk about today, that YAML metadata becomes super valuable. Like you can, like I have one that's just a status flag, you know, or it's a tag. And then I can use some of the plugins we're going to talk about later to create tables based on project status or 
there's just there's just so much I can do with this this application. And as you dig into it, it it gets even more powerful. And this is this is like red meat for automators because like all of a sudden we can really just take a folder full of of markdown files and just make them dance for us. Now, I will tell you, uh, I, I, by the way, I only use one vault and I don't know if that's good or bad, but I've got a lot, everything in one big bucket right now. I have started moving some data out of obsidian and that is, um, yeah, primarily it's, um, craft, you know, craft is out there too, which is a Mm -hmm. similar type of application allows backlinking and, uh, relational notes and but it's a block-based editor so it's different and it's more yeah. graphically friendly it's prettier um, but it doesn't have a lot of the features obsidian does for instance it doesn't have end-to-end encryption which is something i like and um and some other features so they're, they're kind of different animals but one of yeah. the things craft does much better than obsidian is collaboration and so I've got a few people helping me with getting all the content together for Max Sparky. And we were running into problems with like proofreading and kind of keeping on top of things where I'm working on newsletters and blog posts and the team members weren't able to see them because they were in craft. I'm sorry, they were in Obsidian. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. so I created a, a shared craft that a bunch of us share. And I have a lot of data going in there now that is stuff that they would need to see. And I, I'm moving that data out of Obsidian, which is another source of automation. How do you move it from one to the next? Um, but uh, it's not really a problem. It's not that I don't like Obsidian. It's just like Obsidian really isn't built for that type of collaboration. Yeah. And um, and I'm thinking about some of my personal PKM stuff, like where when did the dog get the shots? I'm not sure I want that clouding up my Obsidian database, if that makes sense. Well, so- that's what another vault could be really useful for because I have a similar problem at work. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm, I make a note and, you know, then somebody actually needs the same data that's in my note. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Well, it's a markdown file, so I can just drag and drop the markdown file into Slack and send it to them and they can read it. We have markdown files in our, in our code base um, and in a bunch of other places. So people are familiar with them and they open them up and it, it looks decent to them. Um, but the, the thing I found when it comes to sharing for me is um, so Microsoft has uh, Azure um, DevOps. So they've got a whole bunch of things. And one of the, the features that's inside of that is a wiki. And this wiki, David, is Markdown based. I, I, I'm in love. Like, you know, I, I was all in favor of the wiki. And then I found out that it was Markdown and I'm just all over that thing. Yeah. And it's great because I write up stuff locally and then somebody says oh hey you know actually does anybody know how to do this and i'm like oh wait i wrote my own docs on this i'll copy and paste that into a wiki um and then you know i've put it in the wiki and other people improve it and enhance it because yeah just a plain text file it's really difficult to collaborate on you know this is why google docs is so popular right because you can have 16 people typing into google docs at the same time and unless you all lose your internet connection, like it's going to handle it just fine. But a lot of services aren't built for that. And, you know, that's not what they're designed for. That's not what Obsidian is for. So I certainly don't blame them when that is the case. Um, so if you do need to collaborate, I'm sure Craft is great for you. I personally really struggle with block-based editors. I, I like it, it just breaks my brain in some kind of way. I, I look at it and my brain's like, nope, nope, this, this doesn't look right. This doesn't feel right. I don't like it. Why can't I just, you know, tap into this and then select and go down here and it wants to select a whole block? No, I just wanted like these three lines over here. It doesn't matter that they're split into two and a half blocks um, or something. So, yeah, I yeah. get it. I get it. But, but 
But, uh, you know, it's, it is a great alternative. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk quite a bit about some of the plugins uh, in a moment. But a lot of the other things that we're doing, I'm sure, are applicable to, you know, pretty much every text editor out there, regardless of what you're doing, even if it doesn't necessarily directly apply. I'm sure, you know, bearing it in mind, you know, if you're on a Mac, Keyboard Maestro has clicked image. That'll get you a long way in a lot of places if you can't quite get there yeah. uh, entirely uh, with the automation tools that you would prefer. But there's there's a solution to every problem. And uh, Obsidian plugins, certainly, if you look at that community plugin list, boy, oh boy, that is a solution to a heck of a lot of problems right there. Yeah, and Obsidian is an Electron app, which a lot of people knock it for that. You know, it's not a native, quote-unquote, Mac app. But that doesn't change the fact that there is a lot you can do with automation here. And oh yeah, and like you said, as we get through the show, we, there's a lot of topics. So, so we're going to dig through it a piece at a time. And both of us are doing a ton of automation in Obsidian, and we thought it'd be you know it's time to share the share the wealth here. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Setup. There's an app for everything these days. Some are great, and others not so much. How do you quickly find the right one for you? A great way to discover new quality apps and get all the tools you need to get the work done is Setup, a subscription for Mac and iPhone apps. Setup packs over 240 high quality apps into one. There's an app for almost any task, so you don't need to look in tons of places to find what you need. With Setup, you can think about your tasks, not apps. Setup has a dedicated curation team that only selects the highest quality apps. Plus, instead of paying thousands of dollars for separate licenses, there's just one flat monthly fee. New apps are added to Setup regularly. Updates are free, and all apps are full-featured pro versions. Until September 15th, use code AUTOMATORS to get a month free trial. Head over to setup.com and redeem your code. That's setup.com, code AUTOMATORS. Our thanks to Setup for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So, David, we were teasing this before the ad. Uh, what, what plugins are we using? Let's talk non-automation for a minute and yeah. just give folks some ideas of some of the other stuff because I think that helps people understand what it is we're doing uh, with the app. Like, for me, uh, honestly, one, the, one of my favorites is uh, the Advanced Tables plugin. I love that. So you, you have a markdown table. For people who don't know, it's that pipe character, that vertical character. And then... Um, you. We have a space and then you write whatever it is that's going in the column and then you do another space and a pipe character and, and you know and so but it gets really messy when you're just writing text and the advanced tables editor you know when you tap space and you and then another pipe it just straightens everything up and it lines everything up so it looks like a table um in text and then when you do the preview of course it looks like a table there as well and that really really helps that really makes it really easy for me to just do all of my table stuff and uh, you know, I, I've, I've certainly used it. You know, I mentioned uh, the wiki stuff before. You know, if I have to write a table that I know is going into the wiki, yeah, I write in Obsidian and then I copy it over to the wiki when I'm done. Yeah, because the formatting is, is automatic with this plugin. And, you know, tables yeah. were not part of the original spec of Markdown as, you know, as John Gruber created it, but they came later. And I always find it tedious to create tables in Markdown. And as soon as I installed this plugin, I'm like, yep. Okay, that's solved the problem. So, so yeah, that's a that's a great plugin to uh, to automate creating tables. Even some of the core plugins, I think, are are worth talking about. Um, they yeah. they have a built in template plugin, and uh, there's also an advanced third party plugin. But the built in template plugin, I think, is actually pretty good. 
Um, the way it works is you can create any document and then save it as a template. Usually you save it to a specific location. I've created a folder in Obsidian called Templates, and you can put subfolders in there too, which is really nice. Um, you can put tokens in there for like the title and the date. It's not super deep in its support for tokenized um, information, but you get the basics. But using them is just so easy. Like the way I've done it is I've mapped because the other automation trick in Obsidian is you can map any keyboard shortcut to anything you do in the application. It has like, it is it, truly anything that the app does gives you, it gives you an option to create a keyboard shortcut for it. So for me, if I hit command T, it opens up the template chooser. And then I just, just type a few letters of the template name, AUT for automators episode. And then mm-hmm. it, it just dumps the text into a new document with all the you know, the YAML data for automators and status and recording information and Google Docs, all that stuff just gets dumped right on the page. And it's it's super useful. And uh, even though there's more advanced template stuff you can do in Obsidian, this one's enough for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. You're kind of starting us down the the uh, rabbit hole of the automation plugins uh, already, which is great. But I, I have to say I started actually with the more advanced third-party one. And we'll have to talk about Templator in a little bit. For work, I'm finding a lot of the time, I actually am fine with just the, the built-in templates. I, I don't need super crazy custom things. Um, and another trick that I, I have, um, which you know I, I'd like to sort of, I, I feel like I need to remind people of because people forget about it, is the command palette is a native Obsidian plugin. And if you enable it, when you hit Command P, if you're on the Mac, Control P, if you're using it on uh, Linux or Windows, then it just opens up a list of commands and you can start typing. And it's like Alfred built into Obsidian for just Obsidian things. Um, and it's it's really useful because you don't have to go and, you know, like remember exactly what keyboard shortcut things are and so on. And you can pin certain commands so that they show up really easily. And you know, that is a really useful tool um, for people, especially people who are getting started with Obsidian, but even people who know Obsidian really well, because you install a new plugin, it'll it'll add uh, links there. You know, even if, it, even if it's a third-party plugin, that's something that it can do. Um, and so that's, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, and it gives you all of the commands related, because a lot of third-party plugins have more than one command related to them. Oh, yeah. And so you hit Command P, just type the name of the plugin, and you're going to find a list of the things you can do. It's one of the discoverable ways to really use a new plugin. Of course, you should read the documentation, but you can also just hit Command P and start like pushing buttons and see what happens. Uh, related mm-hmm. to that is the open command, Command O. Uh, which um, searches the whole database like Alfred and gets you into files extremely quickly. And um, I feel like when you put O and P together and then I add T for the templates, there is a lot of kickoff work I can do in Obsidian with just those three letters. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think that that is entirely fair and yeah, there's, there's a lot that you end up, realizing that you can do when you just go back to a clean brand new obsidian install i've recently installed it um on a on my my mom's machine actually she was looking to make some notes and wanted a really good simple application that she could use um and that work would let her install on her work machine and so i got her to ask her it department if she could install obsidian 
um, she's used Markdown before, um, obviously. And they said, yeah, sure, that that's not a problem. We'll quite happily install that one for you. You know, you'll be uh, saving notes into um, SharePoint, I think, is where her notes are going to go. Because, of course, Obsidian is just a folder of Markdown files, so it'll go wherever you want. And uh, yeah, and, and she, you know, she was off to the races pretty quickly um, once they got that installed and I showed her a couple of little bits on it. Um, but one of the things that uh, I've been playing with more recently, and I don't know why I ignored it for so long, are the workspaces um, where you can um, save and then reload a workspace, which includes the pane layout, your sidebar state. So if your sidebar is expanded or collapsed and open files. And for me, that's really useful because uh, I've I've ended up just, you know, finding myself coming back to certain things time and time again. And some of my workspaces are ephemeral. They will disappear over time. You know, I'll spin them up while I've been automating my parents' house for them. Um, and then I, I don't need that anymore. So I will get rid of that that workspace because I'm not going to be opening that particular setup with the the open file or and certain open folders that I will be using on such a regular basis, but that's available through the command palette as well. So I can just say, hey, you know, like command P, workspace, and then I, I, I use the arrow keys to make sure it's manage workspaces, and then uh, I'm off, off, I can, off to go, off to go. Uh, or actually load workspaces, the one I'm thinking of, because uh, you can load a specific workspace that way, which is really nice. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's something that uh, is well worth looking at. I'll put a link to all of these, of course, in the show notes. For everyone but are you using workspaces david yeah same thing you know it, it, it to me i don't use it i don't have like a default space i open up every day but i make custom workspaces when i'm working on important projects and i want to just right. kind of get back to that um i should really frankly expand my use of workspaces because i think you could use it also just in different setups and uh yeah man love that but you, you know while we're yes. talking about it i think maybe i got ahead of myself a little bit just out of curiosity, what are your favorite um, themes? Because another thing you can do, kind of automator adjacent, is you can change the look and feel of Obsidian. Do you have like favorite themes you use? Uh, I I I do, but I think I'm just using the dark theme most of the time. And I I, I have it. So I have a plugin which um, adapts um, Obsidian to the system. Yeah. So that it it appears using light mode and dark mode. And I'm just trying to figure out if I do have another uh, something installed that changes uh, the colors and so on, because I'm sure I did install something. Um, but maybe I ended up uh, getting rid of it because I was shuffling things around. I briefly tried many more vaults um, that did not work for me very well at all. It turns out that my brain was not happy with that. Um, but uh, what uh, I did end up doing when I when I consolidated everything back is I didn't just go back to my original setup. Of course, I had a backup. You know, making a backup of an Obsidian vault is easy. You copy the folder. That's it. Yeah. Um, but I ended up going through and carefully just reinstalling the things that I needed because I realized I had about 20,000 plugins installed and I wasn't using a good chunk of them. So I just went through and installed the ones that I wanted manually, which worked. But I don't think I'm using a particular theme right now. Um, what about you, David? Oh, Rose, this is such a journey for me. I, I try them all. So my friend Nick Milo made Cybertron, which is cool. And it's got a lot of colors in it. But I find myself going to kind of the simple ones. I like Nord. I like, um, there's one called Deep Work that I like. There's a there's a ripoff of the things kind of look. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always trying different ones. To tell you. Right now I've got one called Iceberg I'm working in. But I do find it kind of fun to change it around over time. But 
that so that's the first thing is like yeah what did you make a look at the second is how are you syncing your data because that actually does affect your automation um, tricks depending on where your data is located yeah i'm doing the um not a hundred percent recommended but also not entirely discouraged approach uh david i am double syncing obsidian okay i i do use obsidian sync obsidian sync is my primary preferred method for getting everything across all my devices and the reason for this is um on ios if you want uh obsidian you want your obsidian vault synced uh you have a choice between using icloud and obsidian sync or not using obsidian on mobile unfortunately like you you can maybe work around it with third-party applications but you can't access dropbox um and this is kind of Dropbox plus Apple, apparently, according to Dropbox. I'm not sure how much I 100% believe that because if little indie developers can make a folder available in the files app um, and Dropbox can't, I'm I'm wondering if that's more of a management decision than a developer capability issue. But um, either way, you can't use Dropbox there. Um, but Dropbox is my preferred method for syncing things generally because then I can integrate stuff using make and Zapier and if this and that and other online and amazing automations and just have stuff dropped in wherever and it magically appears. So I am double syncing and I am being very careful about this. I double sync on exactly one machine and no others. There is one machine in the mix that will sync my Obsidian Vault to Obsidian Sync and to Dropbox and nothing else does. Everything else does not cross the streams. It only accesses uh, either Dropbox or or the Obsidian Sync. If it, if I'm actually using Obsidian, it's using Obsidian Sync. Um, and then automations go in via Dropbox in a couple of places just to make that a bit easier on me. But, you know, uh, that that's how I'm doing it. I'm guessing, David, you're using the uh, wonderful Obsidian Sync, which uh, is, I think it's now a little bit pricier than it used to be. There was a discount originally if you were signing up uh, before they were like finished uh with everything because it was sort of in beta for a while yeah i when you're up on the high wire i am behind the railings <laughs> because yeah. i uh, i am just using obsidian sync i did pay for it before they they raised the price i think the deal was you get it if you got in early you got that price going yeah. forward yeah. but you know who knows i mean the future will tell but the um but i'm paying whatever the original price was for the sync and, five dollars a month yeah. yeah and what i like about it is that um it is an end-to-end encryption. I put the password in. They don't have my password. So my data is really, really secure. And the way you make that work is you don't put it generally in Dropbox or iCloud. You put it locally, even on your iPhone and your iPad. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can store this stuff locally. And there's a couple things I like about that. Number one is it's end-to-end encrypted and it's in nobody's cloud except that double encrypted um a cloud for obsidian i guess it's not that big of a deal not that i'm no longer a lawyer but still i don't mind having things end to end encrypted and then the second piece of that sync for me is that now i can point keyboard maestro or shortcuts at the local folder of um of files and i know you could do it on dropbox too but it just feels safer pointing it at something that's not cloud synced otherwise mm-hmm. and, and know it's going to do what you ask it to do the downside, of course, is I lose all the great Zapier and cloud-based automation stuff that I'm sure you're doing. Yeah, yeah. For me, it it really is kind of a crucial part of my workflow to just have notes appear when they're supposed to appear. So I'm not having to go tap a button to make a note to be able to write the thing. I just open it up and kind of seeing it there as a file 
is part of the workflow for, and I'm going to do this now. You know, I open it up, I can see things. Uh, I have uh, a very advanced named tag, David. It's called needs completion. Uh, actually, no, it's just called to do. Sorry, folks. I was trying to get a bit crazy there, but I tried needs completion for about three weeks and now nothing got completed. So I, I bet went back to good old to do as my tag. Yeah. Uh, and if it's tag with to do, that means that there is stuff in that note that I should be actively working on and completing. Uh, if it is uh, not tag with it, then that's it's kind of just a note that's there and it may end up with stuff added to it on a regular basis or not. It might just end up as reference. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a very simple system for just this is something that we'll need filling out. And so that then whatever the next part is can happen. And uh, that's that's what I put in. Most of my notes are automatically created, actually. Um, but yeah, no, the, the double encryption thing is or the, the double sync is not necessarily something that everybody needs. Or even if you uh, don't have an always on Mac, then you can have, uh, you know, Keyboard Maestro picking up things from Dropbox um, and then doing stuff with them. Uh, I've I've actually done that with a variety of automations for quite a while. I was having uh, a file put into Dropbox with uh, data in it, a JSON format, and uh, Keyboard Maestro would pick that up. Uh, when my machine was on and running and then just go, hey, I'm just going to go off and create a folder and a f- bunch of files uh, with this so that I could do uh, various other things. And, um, you know, that that would be another solution. And I would consider doing that if I couldn't sync through uh, Dropbox as well. But thus far, I mean, I have plenty of backups. I have all the backups, but thus far it's working great. And I think that the real key to this is really like only double sync on one device. That, that That's what they say if you really need to do that. Um, and so that's what I'm doing. Um, and that works really well for me. So I'm, I'm quite pleased with that. Uh, I also love the fact yeah. that if you go on their uh, security and privacy section for Obsidian Sync and you look at the end-to-end encryption section, they have a part of, if you forget your password, your data is unusable forever. And that is exactly how end-to-end encryption should work. There is no yeah. way to recover it if you lose that password. So don't lose that password, folks. There's yeah. a managed encryption option if you want to just keep your data safe and you, but you don't want to risk losing the password. Um, where you know they will uh, uh, help you out and create an encryption password for you and store it uh, on uh, their servers. Um, but they're not going to access your data without your permission. So that's that's pretty nice. But yeah. And the way you're storing the data, if you're making local backups, you're you are backing your data up. So that, yeah, that's there too. Some other, um, I think, some plugins that are uh, automation adjacent but not focused on automation. We'll, let's start with Workbench. That that one I feel like is such a great thing. I mean, so much of automation is about capture, and Workbench is a plugin built in about capture. Really, that's the way I view it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had Ryan Murphy come on the show, right? So that that tells us uh, <laughs> that tells folks a lot. But um, yeah, Obsidian, uh, Obsidian, you know, being a note taking app, you're probably in it looking at things anyway. And when you have an idea for something else, you can just throw it into the workbench note, um, and that that just keeps everything handy, ready for you, and then you can do whatever it is with it um, that you you might want or need. Um, and I, I particularly like the fact that I can control the name of my workbench note and I can also control the line prefix for every item. So I've customized this to be dash space, uh, open square bracket space, close square bracket space, which means it's a task. Um, so then by default, everything that gets at every new line added to my workbench is a task, which 
works perfectly for me because it either needs doing or it needs converting into a proper note and something magical coming out of it. Um, and so that's what I do. Uh, however, you configure Workbench, David. Uh, just I, I'm using the default setup. I love the name Workbench. It pushes all my buttons, and it's a place that it's a clearinghouse really for me. Yeah, it's a it's a great way to capture stuff when I'm already in there. Uh, as I mentioned before, a lot of stuff ends up in Dropbox. Is like I'm just capturing this and I'll deal with it later. But if I'm already in Obsidian and I'm looking at things and realizing, oh right, I need to have a look at this or that, then uh, you know, I will I will make notes in my workbench uh, to uh, help me keep things getting done. Uh, another one I use, uh, and this is definitely the developer in me talking, is Better Code Block. Uh, so Better Code Block allows you to have blocks of code in your in your text in Obsidian, uh, and a block of code, uh, if it's a block, has three back ticks and a new line, and then all of your code, and then three back ticks again. Um, and uh, Better block uh, code block has uh, title, line numbers, and a collapse button, which is very nice if you just want to be able to expand in and collapse that section. And the other part of this that for me is absolutely crucial is those first three backticks where I've got backtick, backtick, backtick. Before the new line, I have uh, the word there of whatever kind of code it is. Um, so if I'm pasting JavaScript code, then I'll type JS. If it's PHP, I type PHP. And if it's you know Ruby, I'll type RB or py for python and those all combined together mean that whenever i'm pasting a chunk of text in there that i know it's going to be correctly syntax highlighted and i'm going to have useful information that will help me identify quickly what this colorful block of stuff is without actually reading the text yeah that's something i'm never going to use <laughs> exactly but yeah. if other people listening may well want something like that or yeah. think oh this is interesting i wonder if there's something that will let me do something similar with whatever it is they're looking for. No, and I think it makes sense. And the the, the other one I want to talk about for sure, because it, it is the foundation of some of the automation we're going to talk about is data view. So oh, yeah. data view, I don't even know if I can describe it. Basically, it's, a, it's an indexing, displaying algorithm that you can customize and apply to all of your files. It looks at all your files. The most basic example is say, give me a list of every file in this folder that has the tag active in it. And then you get all your active documents in that folder. I mean, yes, it can go a lot further though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I mentioned my network diagram before or um, like my network documentation. Well, I have a network diagram, um, which I've done in Mermaid, which is something that um, Obsidian supports, where you can just sort of write um, dashes and arrows and like use brackets to link things together, essentially. Somebody made a markdown diagramming language called Mermaid. Yeah, and I mean, it it's, it's been around for quite a while, but it works really yeah. well. It's it so sounds good. crazy, but it's not that hard really to learn either. I've, I've made some Mermaid documents, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I have a mermaid diagram for my network. Of course I do. But I also have a data view table because every device on my network is a markdown file, as I mentioned earlier, with the YAML headers. But all of those headers can get pulled out of those files to be turned into a table. So then I can have, you know, a list of my devices in a table and I can see their IP addresses, whether they're hardwired or Wi-Fi, if they've got a fixed IP address or not, MAC addresses and so on. And that's in a table automatically and i update one of those documents and that table updates because that table is just reading the data out of the files and that 
is the magic part for me because it 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 doesn't require me to enter data in multiple places to get multiple views. That is anti-automation as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it just lets me, you know, keep everything in sync is the wrong word because you're not syncing it. It's just reading the data. But that's kind of the point. Rose, there's so much you can do with Obsidian. That, that, that's the hard oh, thing about this topic. Every time we start into it, it's like, I don't want to lose the listeners. But this has been the automation adjacent portion of the plugins. We have more that we're going to talk <laughs> oh, about yeah. where you actually automate. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Trade Coffee. Save big and support small roasters. Get $30 off your first order. Just go to drinktrade.com slash automators. We're so happy to have Trade Coffee as a sponsor of The Automators. Even though I don't drink coffee, I'm a happy customer. And that's because I got some Trade Coffee for my wife, and now I'm like a hero. We signed up for some Trade Coffee. Specifically, we leaned into the Dark Roast collection, and she got some great coffee. The one that really landed with her was Mother Tongue's Nebula Dark Roast from Oakland, California. She's hooked, and she wants more. I love the simplicity on it. We signed up. Coffee showed up. Wife was happy. All is good. When you become a Trade Coffee customer, you'll get the freshest and best-tasting coffee you've ever made at home. And the coffee you'll be drinking will be from the country's best independent craft roasters, which helps those small businesses out, too. And this is cool. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. Everyone has that one coffee they just love, and Trade will help you find it. Trade is confident they'll match you right the first time. And if they don't, just give them your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free. When you sign up for Trade Coffee, they send you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters, small businesses who pay farmers fair prices to sustainably source the greatest beans from around the world. It just takes answering a couple questions to get your personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you like. So far, they've delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee with more than 750,000 positive reviews. My wife works really hard and I want to do nice things for her and getting her better coffee with trade coffee has been one of the nicest things I've been able to do for her in a while. And I'm really happy to be able to do it. And you can too. Right now, trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping. When you go to drinktrade.com slash automators, that's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash automators and let trade find you a coffee you'll love. That URL one more time, drinktrade.com slash automators for $30 off. And our thanks to trade for the support of the automators and all of Relay FM. So there, there's a whole group of plugins for Obsidian that are full on automation tools. And uh, these are community plugins by and large. But there's several that you and I have been using and playing with that I think automators should be aware of. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the easy one. Paste URL into selection. Yeah. Now, this sounds so simple, right? Like, yeah. you select some text, you paste, and if it's URL, it just makes it into a URL. So it'll put the square brackets around it with the round brackets afterwards and whatever was on your clipboard goes into the round brackets. But I swear this yeah. saves me so much time. <laughs> It's I, I keep expecting to see an update note to Obsidian where there's going to be a checkbox and this is a built-in thing. I mean, this feels to me like one that is on the Sherlock list. I mean, how is that not already in? But 
that little plugin, I use it every day and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just saves, you know, even if it only saves me a split second, uh, because otherwise it would be what command K and command V. And I think this has actually replaced command K for me. And it checks if there's a URL on the clipboard. I don't even remember how it works now. I, I just know that it, it works. So yeah, I just hit command V and it pastes basically, which is perfect. But even if it's one one keyboard shortcut, it saves me. You know, it's it's saving me a keyboard shortcut every time, so I have to do less thinking. And the time saving is one thing, but it's also the other piece of automation. It's reliable. Like when I, if I find up I'm typing brackets and you know parentheses, inevitably I'm going to miss one or something, and it's not going to work. And this just yeah. it's just rock solid. You hit the button, it goes in. You move on. Yes, exactly. And I think that that is, you know, something that we we don't joke about it. It is true. Like copy paste is an automation um, and improving your copy paste method is a valid automation. So I, I feel like, you know, there's definitely something to be said for that. Um, and there is also uh, another one uh, which I really like, which is note auto creator, where in Obsidian, if you put two sets of square brackets around a note, or around some text, sorry, then that makes it into a clickable link. Um, and then, you know, you can click on it and go to the note, which is fine if the note exists. But what if the note doesn't exist? Well, you would create the note at that point, and then you, you know, type into it. And so no auto creator just automatically creates it for you. So it's just already there, which is perfect for me. It, it just removes like that one step of, wait, I'm skimming for it in sidebar because I know I've linked it, but where is it? It's not here. What happened? No, it is it, just automatically existing now. So this is one I don't agree with you on. I like that it doesn't auto create that note. Um, you know, I've worked with other like linking apps in the past that auto generate those notes. And I feel like it just creates a lot of stuff. I, I want the ability to, you know, in the future, create a note on a linked idea, but not necessarily today. And I don't want to like put a bunch of empty notes into my my database. So I'm actually okay with the, the default behavior, but I'm glad this exists. I think for a lot of people like you, it's, it's, it's right on, you know, if I put two brackets on, I want to know. And, uh, that's just not me. Yeah. 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 For me, I'm only going to be linking it if I am making the note and I'm often like writing down, like, uh, you know, I'll be writing some text and be like, okay, well, I need to write about this bit and this bit and this bit, and there are going to be separate notes, just like link those. And then they all exist automatically. And so I can go into them and just like process and, and work through each one um, to just fill that out with data as I go. And because of my workflow, that works really well for me. But, you know, as you said, it doesn't work for you, but that's that's fine. It's an option. It probably indicates that I link too much. That's <laughs> what it does. I mean, maybe, maybe not. But equally, you know, it, it, it really depends on how you decide that linking works for you. For me, linking only works if there is something at the other end of the link. Otherwise, it's kind of like a signpost pointing, uh, you know, to the side of the road. But there is no there is no junction there. There is no road to go down. There is theoretically the possibility of a road in the future, but there is no road yet. For me, if I'm creating the link, it's this road is under construction and will be here soon. Um, you know, yeah. at the very least, you know, have the, th the fact that I intended to write something about this. And then I've got, of course the date that the file was created and everything. So I know, you know, what, what was going on there, uh, which was, which is just very useful for me. Yeah. 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 So I don't do that. That it's just a different way of approaching it, but I, I have lots of unbuilt roads in my obsidian database, but you know, I'll get there someday or I won't. We'll see. Yes. Um, yes. Auto note mover. That's another nice basic one. 
Yeah, yeah, it moves notes for you automatically. You know, we, we've talked about Hazel on the show. Uh, well, this is kind of a mini Hazel for Obsidian, only Obsidian. Um, but you can um, register the tag or the title of a note you want to move to a rule. And when the active note, so the note that you're currently working on, matches the rule, it gets moved. So it only gets moved when you actually, you know, like open it up to do stuff with it, which is quite nice. Um, and, um, you know, it will, you know, give you a warning if um, you can't find the folder or the folder's already got a note with this name. Um, but it, it can work really well, especially if you've got, you know, some like baby automations that you're working on and you, you don't want to be, you know, feeding things directly deep into your Obsidian folder just yet or something and you just want to drop everything into one particular folder where you can have auto note mover pick up everything and, and just shuffle things around for you within obsidian, which is very nice. Another one that um, I think qualifies as an automation plugin is tasks. Um, you were saying earlier that you were auto generating some tasks. Are you using the tasks plugin? I am not. No. So, um, you know, I don't really generate tasks. I, I just have tags, which tell me like, Hey, this, this note needs something done with it, but it's not, specifically you know like you need to go like there is a list of tasks here for me i found personally that if i'm trying to you know manage my tasks in obsidian then i end up not looking in omnifocus which is where the actual work is uh, and that can be a little bit problematic so i i tend not to i went on a similar journey i tried it for like a month and i did a whole thing in the max market labs on it but ultimately obsidian is my task manager and I'm sorry, ultimately OmniFocus is my task manager. Obsidian is mm -hmm. not. But um, if you're interested in doing tasks there, there's a ton of automation built in where you can have it auto-generate lists and and filter lists based on tag. It, it's kind of like a data view um, built feature set, but just for task management. And I know mm -hmm. there's quite a few people that do that. So that's another kind of automation task-related plugin. So many, so many plugins, Rose. Yes, yes, there are many plugins, but also, you know, there are many good plugins. And I feel like without having a little bit of time to just go and explore all of these things, uh, you know, and, you know, taking, it's not necessarily a wrong turn, but taking a bit of a detour to see whether or not this is right for you uh, can work really well. I've ended up, because uh, a lot of people do use uh, Obsidian for daily notes and keeping track of their tasks and things. I, I did that experiment in Obsidian. And uh, for me, I didn't like having a kind of daily log mixed in with all of my notes. It was not very efficient and it felt like it was cluttering up my search for things when I knew I was just searching for the data rather than information about when I'd done something. But I do like knowing when I did things. So I ended up splitting that stuff over to Agenda. But because there's deep links in both, I can link one to the other um, very simply, which you know, works very well for me. Um, and speaking of links, one of the things that I use is uh, the link headers directly plugin, which allows me to link a header within a note directly instead of, you know, just linking the uh, the note title um, and then having, you know, like the, the header after that, uh, I can just have the, the header title linked automatically. I love that one too. I mean, I'm, I'm such a fan of interlinking uh, information and my like you my obsidian data is precious to me and that's one of the reasons why i'm i'm pulling back a little bit from certain categories of data i put in there because i want the searches to be more efficient and 
I want Obsidian to be where my best ideas are. And sometimes I feel like I've, I've cluttered it up too much. But with this plugin, you can not only link to a note, like if you've got a two-page note, but you know you have a heading on the second page that is important for a future link, you can do that. And that, that automation goes everywhere. You can put it in OmniFocus. You can put it... You can you know you can do anything with it anywhere that you can open a link you can you can get there you can even put it in craft um so you know no matter how you're you're tying all this stuff together uh, the more focused you can get with your linking the better I was very happy when this one released yes yes so was I um, though another one which uh, took me a, a bit longer to find than perhaps it should have which I really love is the dynamic table of contents. So where you've got all of your headers in a file and, you know, some of my files are pretty long with a lot of headers. Um, but something I'm used to as a developer is being able to see a list of all of my functions in a programming file. Um, and I really like having the same feature when I'm looking at my huge blocks of code, being able to see all of my headers. And so I can scroll up and down to them yeah. by just clicking on them. And uh, the dynamic table of contents has certainly made that a lot easier at times because you know, just like I like automatically having notes created for links, I will create the headers and then go back and fill in the content afterwards. Uh, so being able to just, you know, go up to the top, click on the header that I'm looking for and go down to it and 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 do the work there makes my life a lot easier. And and it's all so easy. It's just like you install the plugin and now you've added yeah. the feature. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's another reason. It's hard to like communicate this because some people listen to us and we sound like, you know, we're in some sort of obsidian cult. But it's like, it's just so amazing that you've got this app you use and then somebody somewhere created a little plugin that added a feature that is exactly what you needed. And yeah. every day there are new ones getting dropped. It's like, it's so fun. Yes, it is a lot of fun. But not only is it good fun, but it 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 can genuinely change and shape workflows. Um, and I think that is something that it took me a little while to figure out, you know, like, do, do I want to shape my workflow and force Obsidian into it? Or do I want to let my workflow be shaped by Obsidian? And the answer is, it's kind of, it's, it, it's not 50, 50, but it's very much give and take. I start with an idea in my head of this is how it's going to work. And that's how I'm going to do that. And then I, end up looking for something and finding maybe not exactly what it is I was looking for, though I frequently do find that, but something very similar or something better where I see it and immediately it occurs to me, this is a much better solution for the problem that I had than what I thought I was going to do. Um, and I found that, that that is definitely a benefit of having such a big community as, as part of it as well, who's able to create things or ask other people to create things based on their requests and requirements. Because you do end up with, you know, it's not conflicting plugins, but just similar plugins that do the same thing. Like, you know, Obsidian has built-in template support. The built-in template support is excellent. It's robust. It's very simple. It works. And then there's Templater, which is a great plugin. Uh, it's, it's so good. And it allows you to create and use templates just the same way as the built-in one. Only these templates are on steroids. You can have it do all sorts of things. I've got custom JavaScript in there uh, doing things when I create stuff. But also I just have like little snippets type things, which are blocks that I can embed in any node with Templator because that's something it can do. And, you know, it's great that somebody, you know, started out with this and then they're just keeping going and there's full documentation for it as well, which is naturally one of my favorite parts. Um, but, you know, it's it's just 
so good to see a variety. I think there's like 638 plugins as we look at this right now. Uh, yeah, 638 community plugins in the plugin directory. Uh, that's a hell of a lot of plugins, David. Yeah. You know, th- did you worry about that? I mean, as we start to invest in our own workflows with these plugins, what if the developer or the plugin decides, you know, life got too busy and they're not going to do anymore? There, there is no p- real way to monetize it shortly of just sending them some money. Yeah. Well, all these plugins, because of the way that they're created, are open source. Uh, that you can't have a closed source plugin. Or, I mean, you could try and obfuscate the file and make it really difficult to read and and do stuff with, but that's not how the Obsidian plugin system works. It's a pile of code files, which fortunately they have a built-in way in the preferences to easily search and install all of these. Yeah. But because it's open source, you know, I would say like 95, 99% of these even, at least the ones I've looked at, all of them are on GitHub. And so if somebody did stop working on it, then somebody else could fork it. That's what you do when um, you want to take something that exists and add something to it uh, on GitHub. Um, so you would fork it and add your own feature. And maybe they would be open to having people make pull requests back and keep it in the existing repository. Or maybe um, you'd end up maintaining your own version or getting somebody else to. But I think the the thing that I have seen thus far with Obsidian and all of the plugins is I don't feel like I've seen a time where a plugin has significantly been broken by an update to Obsidian. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that that is in a large part due to how hard the developers behind some of these really complex plugins work to keep everything working. But also, I think that that is partially the part of the Obsidian developers themselves going, hey, we know that the community is pretty important to this app. So we're going to keep an eye on, you know, like what we're doing and see if the most popular stuff breaks. Um, and they seem like some very nice folks there. I think there's only two of them. Uh, who are doing, you know, the main development and they've got an iOS app, uh, an Android app, a macOS app and a Windows app and a Linux app. And that's that's five apps, folks. Um, plus, don't forget that you've got Apple Silicon and you've got, um, you know, Apple Intel machines. And then you've got Windows and you've got the Windows Linux subsystem and all of the different Linux varieties. There's a heck of a lot of stuff going on and add yeah. Android and iOS into the mix. And I de- genuinely don't know when these po- folks are sleeping. But, you know, they they are working really hard on this. And I, you know, as best I can tell, obviously, I don't have access to the source code of Obsidian itself. But as best I can tell, you know, they, they're they deliberately being careful and they're documenting properly how pl- people making plugins uh, should do things so that, you know, it won't just break overnight. And if you start using a plugin and it seems to have no updates in a while and then something gets broken... Um, you know, you can just try asking the person, but if they if they are busy, then maybe somebody else will just create the same plugin, or maybe the Obsidian developers will add it as a feature if enough people ask for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they just keep coming. Like another automation friendly one is the Advanced New File plugin. Mm-hmm. It gives you the ability to, you know, generally create a new file is just command in, and you've got a new blank file. This allows you to do a whole bunch more. Yeah, yeah, like just put it in this particular folder, which, yeah. you know, for me, uh, a lot of the times that I'm creating a folder, then uh, a, fo- a folder, a lot of the times when I'm creating a file, uh, I do want to put it in a particular folder to start with instead of putting it in the, the root of my directory, you know, the, the very top level, and then moving it somewhere else later. Mm, that, that, that 
I mean, the move it somewhere else later bit just doesn't really happen. Um, so I end up just creating all of my new files with the uh, advanced new, new file option. And then I just put it in the right folder in the first place. And that skips the step later. And if you if that if you dig that, there's another plugin from another developer called Advanced New Folder, which does the same thing and lets you set a destination so you don't put yeah. it in your root or wherever. I mean, I do occasionally find an obsidian weird things in weird places. I was going through a folder of medical notes and I had a, a list of quotes from Yoda in there. I'm like, well, how did this hmm. get here? You know? Well, um, got here it did. That's not a very good Yodaism, <laughs> but I'm trying, David. I'm trying. Rose, Rose, that, that was it. That was it. That was perfect. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, just to just to clarify how you fix that, right? Um, you can attach you just drag a, it. Well, no, not even that. You can attach a keyboard shortcut to anything. So, Control yeah. Control M, I have mapped to move, and you just hit Control M and start typing the name quotes or wherever you want that file to go when it's selected. You hit Control M, type a few letters, and then enter, and off it goes. It's very easy to move with yes. automation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I love that I, because I create my notes in the right place to start with, unless something's gone wrong. Uh, you know, I tend not to end up needing to move files, um, but if I did, I'd definitely map a keyboard shortcut to it. But one of the things I found myself doing, and I realized, um, you know, I was uh, uh, like uh, organizing paper clips, uh, I think is the uh, my favorite way to explain this. I was renaming notes, okay, and then I was having to change the H1 in my notes to match the new note title, because you know, yeah, it was different then, and that that was not okay because the the information was wrong. You know, we had a couple of features that got renamed at work, and I wanted to rename my notes. And uh, so I started and I looked and there's a great plugin called uh, Header Sync. And I thought, cool, that'll do it. And then I found a better one. Embedded note titles. It takes whatever the file name is of the note and embeds it as a H1 above your note. So you, it's only there when you're looking at it in Obsidian. It doesn't actually like edit it um, and, and put it in the file for you. It just shows it there. And that for me is perfect because then I don't have to worry about things syncing or not syncing and updating stuff if i rename the file it gets it it appears there um perfectly and that that just you know saves me a couple of seconds maybe to you know every so often if i would rename a bunch of files i'd have to go through and you know do a whole bunch of work on that um but you know it certainly uh you know it's an automation this episode of automators is brought to you by doppler in software development secrets are private pieces of information that act as keys and those keys unlock protective resources or sensitive data. This can be stressful to configure and manage, especially when sharing secrets across different teams and clouds. Thankfully, those days are over. Introducing Doppler, the world's first universal secrets platform. It enables developers to automate the pain away of managing secrets, along with those hidden files used to manage them, known as M files. Doppler is your team's central source of truth for apps and app configuration secrets across all your environments and clouds. Whether they're in Docker, AWS, Vercel, or anywhere else, Doppler works where you work. And as your stack evolves, Doppler remains simple. From startups to enterprises, more than 11,000 customers, big and small, are using Doppler. So they can keep their secrets and app configuration in sync across devices, environments, and team members. Say goodbye to mFiles. Set up Doppler for your team in less than four minutes. Sign up via doppler.com slash L slash automators. That's all lowercase. That's doppler.com slash L slash automators, all lowercase. Go there now. Our thanks to Doppler for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So, David, we were talking before 
um, you know, that we can we can get stuff from, into Obsidian from Drafts and Keyboard Maestro and Hazel have also come up, as has Zapier and uh, Make and Integromat, or as it used to be called, and If This and That. Um, what would you say your favorite non-Obsidian automation is for Obsidian? Well, I'm going to put a pin in Keyboard Maestro and ha- and uh, and Shortcuts because they are probably my favorite. But mm-hmm. the, the one that I keep finding use for is Hazel. And um, like what we talked earlier about YAML and tags, like you can put a tag in, like one of my most commonly used tags is active. And then I've got one called planning and I've got one called shipped, you know, and I have Hazel look at certain folders in my Obsidian database because it's local. And if it sees active switch to shipped, it actually takes the file and moves it to a different folder. And or if it goes from planning to active, it moves it around too. It's like I've got Hazel on the back end moving files for me. And I just love that I can type a few letters inside Obsidian and then an application outside of Obsidian takes care of file management for me. I love that. Yes. Yeah, I love that too. Um, there are certain things, uh, if I uh, archive them, uh, then uh, Hazel just magics them away and throws them in DevonThink for me. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, you know, I still have that data. It's just no longer something that I will be looking for and searching for in the same context as regularly. And it now belongs in the context in which I search DevonThink. Um, and so it, yeah. it gets moved over and that, that works incredibly well for me. Uh, similarly, I, I do just have, you know, stuff dropped in, um, as like, it's usually a file, but sometimes I even have entire folders with, uh, files inside of them dropped in. I tend to use this, do this with uh, make through the Dropbox sync uh, at the moment. Um, that I have experimented a bit with keyboard master and, and shortcuts for this. Um, I've just ended up using make because the data that triggers this is on the internet. So it makes sense to use something that's on the internet to to solve the problem. You know, it, it's amazing just having stuff up here in the right place or as close to the right places as possible. And, you know, it, it's very easy to sort out manually than if I need to move it, you know, then you've got your entire structure for a new project, for example, uh, just right there. Yeah. All right. Let, let's finish the conversation on Hazel. I mean, the, the mechanics yeah. of it are pretty simple. Um, you've got the folder full of markdown files somewhere on your computer. Hazel, you know, we, we've done shows on Hazel in the past, but the idea of Hazel is it will look at a destination folder that you pick and it will apply rules. So the one I talked about earlier was just looking for text inside the file. And it's always watching. If I change a tag from, you know, planning to active, then Hazel notices that within a minute or two and it'll do whatever I tell it. And all mm-hmm. I'm doing is I'm moving it to another folder inside the Obsidian folder structure. Uh, Rose talked earlier about one where she's moving it into DevonThink. Well, you can yeah. import to DevonThink easy enough with Hazel, but you could also, you know, trigger a shortcut on it or, you know, there's so much you can do. The automation situation on the Mac is so glorious right now in terms of the way everything talks to each other. But Hazel can be an effective trigger. And then what you choose to do with that trigger is up to you. And the sky is kind of the limit. Like you could say, okay, if I add the word um, accountant, you know, hashtag accountant to this, then email this note to my accountant. You know, you could do something like that. Um, so it's just really, um, it just, it gives you a way to bring a whole nother level of automation to Obsidian that the developers never even thought of. 
Yes. And I think this is just, you know, because it is a folder of markdown files. And, you know, we've said this, but it is really useful to just know that it's a folder. So you've got subfolders and you've got subfiles. And um, you can have other files in an Obsidian uh, vault, which is a folder, and they just, you know, don't show up if they're not markdown unless you've um, got one of the plugins or preferences that enables that. Um, and that can be very useful um, just to, you know, keep things handy that you will need within that context. So if you open up this folder in a different application, such as uh, BB Edit or similar, then you will see those as well, but you don't see it when you're in Obsidian. And that is very useful when it comes to things like Hazel as well, because you've got the ability to just throw whatever it is you need in there and shuffle it around very quickly and easily using such, you know, such a marvelous app. Uh, which, you know, that, that run shortcuts action, David, once once I got it set up, it took a little while because I've got so many shortcuts. But once I got it set up, it uh, it, it it's brilliant. I love I love having it, having it run shortcuts. And I need to do a little bit more of that, I think, with Obsidian stuff. Okay, let's start talking about another one of our favorite automation apps and how it pairs with Obsidian, Drafts. I mean, Drafts oh, is such yeah. a great companion app for Obsidian. Yes, it really is. And I found, you know, uh, so Obsidian uh, has a URL scheme support. So you can just call a URL and have it create a note, open a note and things like that. And I am honestly using a lot of the URL stuff with drafts to just have it create a note. Um, and I, I have uh, two primary actions, David. I've got one for my personal vault and one for my work vault. So I can keep, you know, I can just say, hey, like, you know, when I'm in my drafts uh, workspace for work, then it shows me the sent to Obsidian uh, action for my work vault. And otherwise it'll show me personal ones. But you can have it, um, you know, do do a whole bunch of things. like put it into subfolders and so on or open specific files for you and and so on, which, you know, really lends it well uh, into tying in with all of the other things that you're doing in drafts. Yeah, I mean, we have been bragging about Obsidian now for an hour and four minutes, according to my clock. <laughs> None of us have bragged about accessing and starting stuff on obsidian with the iphone i mean there is an iphone app and it does give you all your data and all your plugins work but like in terms of like writing something quick drafts runs circles around it and because drafts has the url schemes and obsidian has url schemes it isn't that difficult to create an automation to write something new in drafts even have drafts put the yaml data and everything for you push a single button and drafts creates a file puts it in your Obsidian database. Next time you open Obsidian, there it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is one of those things where I wish it were a better iOS app, but I also love how great it is as an iOS app in that I have plugins in an iOS app in an app yeah. that I would have expected otherwise to not have plugins. Yeah. And so I personally am fine with the I will write it in drafts and then dump it into Obsidian approach um, for quickly creating a new note. Um, but aside from that, I found even, you know, just being able to pop in and, and you know, like read my notes and check some data and stuff and even share files, um, you know, has worked very well. But drafts for me is definitely a really useful tool for getting data into Obsidian. It, it does just make it much easier. And honestly, you know, the, the template stuff we were talking about earlier, I have a whole bunch of YAML header templates in drafts as yeah. well because it works very well for quickly creating like, hey, here's the block of data that I'm going to need 
more or less, you know, fill in these gaps and you're done. Yeah. Um, and the, the, those I can use on any platform, um, as well. And it's very quick and, you know, it just gets dropped in. I actually, David, uh, have a, uh, trick for obsidian up my sleeve, uh, with drafts in the, I have an obsidian tag. So my obsidian tag in drafts is used um, in conjunction with the with my Pushcut automation server. So I've got Pushcut running on an iPhone uh, all the time, and it will just pick things up and run them. And uh, every couple of hours, um, it will just look for any notes that were created in drafts with an Obsidian tag, More, and they haven't been edited in 24 hours. And if it hasn't been edited in 24 hours, it just moves it to Obsidian. Like it, it runs the appropriate Obsidian action on it to put it into my personal or my work uh, vault. And then bam, it's, it's gone from drafts and it gets moved over because every so often I'll be, you know, like offline or have a poor internet connection, create something and I forget about it. And the worst thing is when you created something and it's not what you're expecting it to be when you're looking for it later. And then you have to try and remember like, wait, did I create this in drafts? Did it get created on one machine and not sync to the others? What's happening here? So I just have uh, Pushcut pick up those, those drafts that should make it into Obsidian uh, automatically for me and drop them over, which you know, works very, very well, uh, to just get data out of the way. Yeah. That's a better solution than mine. Um, so I, I do just manually, well, automatically from drafts, I have buttons in drafts. And I guess that's one point I should make is import to obsidian is great, but import into this specific folder in obsidian is better, you know, and you can create, you know, I think I have about 10 different obsidian import buttons in drafts. So when I write something in drafts, depending on which button I push changes what YAML gets applied and where it gets located and where it gets sent. And, uh, I find that very useful, but, uh, the trap I can get caught in that Rose has solved is, uh, I often do it on my phone or my iPad, but if I don't open obsidian, then obsidian, it, it can't sync in the background because iOS and iPad OS doesn't allow that. So you have to open obsidian once you've created it in order to send it up to the obsidian cloud and have it populate everywhere else. I've just kind of learned to do that, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I do it. I do it often enough. And I, I frankly open obsidian often enough on my devices that it's rarely a problem for me. I don't have to think about it, but that is, that is a trap. If you create the note in a drafts URL action, but you don't open obsidian, then you go over to your Mac. It's not going to be there because um, obsidian on your iPhone didn't open up and it never got sent to the cloud. So, so you gotta be aware yeah. of that. I mean, for me, I've really found that to be a problem because part of the URL actions, and I think one of the reasons why URL schemes are actually a surprisingly good idea, even in 2022, folks, is because it does force the app to open to run yeah. the URL scheme. Uh, it's just, it's not open for very long necessarily. Um, but because it's opened, I usually just pop back and, you know, add some new lines at the end and just finish off what whatever it is that's now occurred to me because I was done with the note and I send it over and then my brain goes, and you forgot about these three things. Go write those down now. Um, so I've, I've learned to embrace that and build that into my workflow. I can see why for some people they wouldn't necessarily assume that, you know, go pop back into the app to just give it a bit more time to sync because iOS especially can be surprisingly fast at killing background applications. Um, Pro tip, folks, don't force quit your apps. Uh, then none of your background syncs will ever work if you're force quitting everything all the time. Yeah, It, for me, has yet to be a problem with that. Uh, the closest I had to that being a problem was I created some notes in the car. Actually, no, sorry, I was on the ferry the other day. 
um, on the iPad. Um, and I didn't have Wi-Fi in my cabin. Um, it was only in the public areas. And I didn't take my iPad with me when I was, you know, out wandering around the ship because I was taking pictures of the sunset and eating and so on. Um, and then I went in to uh, add to my note in the car and thought I'd lost my note for a good five minutes before I remembered I created it on my iPad. And that's why it was missing because it was on my iPad, which hadn't had internet, so couldn't sync um, at all. So I just pulled out my iPad and went went to town and added to my notes, which was pretty good. Uh, I occasionally get emails from people saying, well, why do I need drafts if I'm going to be using Obsidian? And for me, drafts has always been an app about capture and process. And Obsidian has never been that. It's just not good at that. Um, I know for some folks that they store a lot of data in drafts and there is overlap there and you just have to decide what works best for you. Um, but I, I find drafts very complementary to Obsidian. So it works great for me. Yeah, yeah. For me, like I will keep data in drafts and in Obsidian, but the difference between them is if I'm keeping it in drafts, it's like there is a date at which point I'm not, no longer going to need this and I'm going to delete it. But if I'm keeping it, it goes into Obsidian. Yeah. Um, because, you know, my packing list and so on, like I may archive them in drafts. Um, and to be very clear, it's not that I don't trust draft sync, but like they're dead to me at that point. Like they may as well not yeah. exist. The only reason why I archive it instead of delete it is because this way, if I did need to go back to it at some point and just... Like I, I went to France um, like a couple of months ago and then I went again, you know, just uh, last week as we record this, you know, I just went back and was like, okay, I'm just going to unarchive my packing list from last time and reuse it. I can't be bothered to re- like recreate it. Like I've got automations to recreate it, but the fastest automation is just reuse what you already have. Right. So, um, you know, I just went back and, and resurrected that, that packing list and, and reset the checkboxes and that worked really well. But, you know, if I had to recreate it, it wouldn't have been a problem. It was just I, I, I default to archiving instead of deleting for things like that. All right. I want to switch over to Keyboard Maestro and Shortcuts for a minute because All right. the uh, by nature, you would think these are not great companion apps for Obsidian because especially Shortcuts, right? I mean, the idea with Shortcuts is you have app actions that are designed by the developers and uh, Obsidian is an Electron app and there are, by definition, no Electron you know, shortcuts actions, at least to my knowledge. Um, but I find shortcuts and uh, keyboard maestro useful. Uh, uh, going with shortcuts first, shortcuts is a great way to add files to your Obsidian database. Like mm-hmm. when I have a new, when we decide to do an episode of automators, I run a shortcut and it does a bunch of things and creates omnifocus lists and whatnot. But one of the things it does is create a text file with all the appropriate YAML data that we use for automators, and it saves it to the active automators episodes folder in my Obsidian database. And all that happens um, very easily, and I love it. And you can do that with a shortcut. Um, yeah. And uh, you can also do that with Keyboard Maestro. I, I, I have a similar script I've written on the Mac that just takes a text file, saves it. Um, the trick with that, if you're going to do it, is .md. If you save it, you generally these file, these applications and automation, you want to save a text file as a .txt file. If you mm-hmm. if you save it there as .txt, you'll be like, where is my file? I don't see it, but it's there. Mm-hmm. It just because it doesn't have a .md on it, you can't. So that's an easy trap to get caught in if you start creating these things. But you can get pretty sophisticated with the generation of that text file. Um, uh, either in Keyboard Maestro or Shortcuts, you can like ask some questions. Like, is this an active or a planning project? And then 
you can have it apply that variable to set a you know pound planning pound active um, uh, um, to the YAML. You know you can put a tag in that's dependent on the user response. And then guess what happens when you make that file? A little um, Hazel will see it and then put it where it belongs because of the tag that you added via Keyboard Maestro or um, shortcuts. So it really is kind of delightful automation even though it isn't kind of what you would historically think of, um, but you can create new files very easily um, using Hazel and Keyboard Maestro. Yes. And, you know, that's one of the things where I've kind of gone back and forth with, do I do it through drafts? Do I do it through Hazel? Do, uh, um, you know, there are some some occasions where Hazel is the right solution for that. Trust me, folks. Uh, you know, drafts, shortcuts, and Keyboard Maestro tending to be the, the main ones. And what I found... Um, is really useful is actually using drafts as the backend, whether I'm using it through keyboard maestro or shortcuts, because this way I've got a really easy, you know, big button with, with shortcuts that, uh, I use the shortcuts widgets, especially on iOS and iPad OS, um, when I'm in focus modes to show me different things so I can have the shortcuts button and then it can pull that data out of drafts. Like you can use drafts actions to create the data and then send it over to obsidian. Um, so that I don't have, uh, you know, a, you know, out of sync data because there's nothing worse than going, right, cool. But data, the, the YAML headers that I'm using in these files, folks, I tend to use BB edit if I'm doing a mass edit of lots of text files and it works great on markdown files as well. But, um, you know, if, if I'm doing that and then creating a new one, it's like, oh, it's in the old format because I didn't update this shortcut. I only updated that shortcut. So I find like I've got to use data jar or date drafts or something to like have a source of truth for this information when I'm doing these automations. Um, but yeah, it is really useful to be able to do that using especially shortcuts um, because it is so good at, at pulling in uh, current data um, from a number of different places, like being able to pull stuff out of your calendar and so on is something that, you know, drafts can do, but it's not quite so easy to do in in um and keyboard maestro of course is great for going okay right well you're creating a whole bunch of like you're doing a whole project setup here i'm creating folders and files and things like that so i've got all this information and i'll just dump this into here for you to to make this note with which is really wonderful um and uh i i don't know how else you're using this david but i did want to throw in a little uh, sneaky uh shout out to bunch because I'm using um, Obsidian with Bunch to get me into certain vaults, uh, vaults and folders automatically um, when I turn on certain modes on my machine. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, because you just open the file, right? It doesn't... It, yeah. It, yeah, nice. So give us an example. Well, for example, when uh, I, I start doing my automators recording, um, then it... Uh, so, you know, I have... Bunch automatically open a whole bunch of things, opens Chrome for the show notes because Google Docs does tend to work best in Chrome. And also Keyboard Maestro can really easily find the only Chrome window that exists, whereas I have like three or four Safari windows. And if I've moved away from the show notes for whatever reason to get a link to put in the show notes, um, for example, then I'll do that in Safari. So it'll open all of the apps that I need, Audio Hijack and so on. Um, but because it can just open a URL and URL schemes are a URL then it can open Obsidian for me. And so at the moment, um, I'm just having it open a specific vault. Uh, but one of the things that has occurred to me as we were recording the show, and I've been trying to restrain myself, is there is a great plugin called the Advanced uh, URI plugin. A URI standing for, uh, I forget now, but either way, it's 
you know, it, it's the advanced URL schemes uh, option. Yeah, and I'm great. wondering if that can open a specific workspace for me, David. Because if that can open a specific workspace for me, then I can even have it open like up with the, the right info in the sidebar and, um, you know, like the right bits of collapse and so on. And I think that would be great if I can do that. Uh, so I might have to take a look at that after we record the show. I expect you probably can do that. Um, but that's just a guess. But I mean, it seems like everything in Obsidian is addressable. And that's one of the reasons why all those nerds love it so much. Um, yeah. One thing I was looking at, and so Keyboard Maestro can go beyond just generating files. Keyboard Maestro, you can use to control the app. You, met, you referenced earlier, Keyboard Maestro has the ability to find a button on the screen and push it. But it's much easier than that because you can script any keyboard shortcut for Obsidian and then suddenly open up Keyboard Maestro. And I was just looking at my Keyboard Maestro Obsidian folder because I keep folders for individual apps. And mm -hmm. it's like a graveyard of automations I've written then that then got Sherlocked by a plugin. You know, like um, <laughs> like I wrote, in fact, I, if you look at the Obsidian forums, I wrote a Keyboard Maestro script to create an Obsidian URL. Well, now they've added it to the app. I think I, I mapped that to control L and I get a link to whatever I'm at, you know? So there's like all this stuff I've done that I don't use anymore, but I have a couple that are still relevant. One of them is an export um, script um, because Keyboard Maestro gives you the ability to perform actions on text in the clipboard. And, you know, we haven't talked about it in today's episode, but to create a link in Obsidian, all you do is to put two square brackets around anything. And now a link is created. And, if the file exists, it jumps to it. If it doesn't exist the first time you try to, it creates it. Or if you've got Rose's plugin, it creates it automatically. But you've got these double brackets all over the place. Well, sometimes you might want to share that data to somebody and mm -hmm. you don't want to share all the link data. Well, I just wrote a script that that takes the the contents of the note and removes all the double brackets, you know? I could also mm -hmm. write one that converts the, uh, the the markdown to rich text if I wanted, but I haven't done that. But So I've got some export-related shortcuts that, I'm sorry, uh, Keyboard Master scripts that I've written that kind of handle those kinds of problems for me. And I keep finding myself going back to Keyboard Maestro whenever there's a feature that's not quite there and the plugin isn't quite there. And mm -hmm. because everything is a folder full of markdown files, which if we keep saying, I can usually script my way around it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that really is the key. You know, there's there's so much accessibility through all of the existing infrastructure that it doesn't matter whether you feel at home writing JavaScript, in which case you can write your own Obsidian plugin if you want, um, or if you're just getting started with shortcuts and you just want to be able to like write some text into a file, like a new file. That's that's simple. Like you don't even have to use obsidian url schemes to do that it can just like write this file and then save it into a folder um and as david said before the trick is to use uh to the set name function you can set the extension as part of that and just set it to md other than that there is actually an obsidian plugin i'll have to see if i can find it for the show notes which allows you to have text files in obsidian as well so any text files uh will still show up in your sidebar um, I didn't and, know that. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought it was in the preferences, but I had a quick scan uh, through earlier um, and uh, I was unable to find it in preferences. Uh, so I'm assuming that I installed it through a custom uh, file of some uh, custom plugin of some kind. Uh, now I've said that, I'm almost certainly going to be uh, finding it uh, as part of the, the documentation, but I will try and get a link to that in the show notes for folks. But, you know, it, it, it's very good to be able to just extend all these things. And 
you know, even if you can't, you can't find a plugin that lets you do exactly what you want, something like the advanced URI uh, plugin, which gives you more advanced URL schemes, will allow you to prepend data to a file or append data to a file or overwrite the data in this particular file. Um, and, you know, having those options, I have just found, David, by the way, it supports workspaces. Yes, I'm very happy. This is, this is going to improve my integration with everything else. Um, but, you know, having the ability to find something that gets you part of the way there and, you know, on, on your own and then finish it off with something else that exists is, is really great. Um, and the other thing I'd highly recommend, uh, the Obsidian Discord server, they have a, a Discord server for, for chat, uh, is very busy, which is great. If you, if you've got a little bit of time and you want to pop in there, um, and ask some folks, uh, questions, Discord search as well is fabulous. It's really great. Um, so, you know, you can have a search in there, but they've also got a discourse forum, just like we do automators, um, where folks have got so many solutions to so many cool things. Yeah. Um, that, you know, even if you think there, this is such a weird thing, nobody is ever going to want to do this. Have a search, like there's eight and a half thousand members in discord online, David, that's online members. That's, that's not people who are just like you know, like lurking in the server and they're offline all the time. No, that's that's the people who are online right now. So there's probably somebody who's had something at least vaguely similar to what it is you're trying to do, uh, which is pretty yeah. cool. So, yeah, I, it's, it's one of those things where it is just such a constantly growing and expanding landscape that I feel like it it is kind of for some people at least, changing the way that they take notes. But for other people like me, it's actually encouraged me to start taking more notes. Like I was already taking a whole bunch of notes in, in drafts and so on and just kind of like, okay, well, that's fine. It's done. I'll throw it away. And I realized that I was, you know, recreating some things because I just needed to keep the same data around a couple of times. I was like, oh no, I should probably have a better place for this and started throwing things like that in Obsidian. And before I knew it, I had like my own personal mini wiki of a whole bunch of things where it's just useful information for me. And for me, the the best part of having a personal knowledge management system, okay, a PKM, um, is it is personal. It does not matter how important this information might be to somebody else or how trivial this thing is, even to me, it can live in my system. And the only person who cares about it is me. Um, and having that data there, if it makes my life easier, then that, that's solving the problem. If it's not making my life easier, but it's not causing a problem, I just leave it. You know, it's fine. Like, it doesn't matter. Until it's actively wrong, I don't bother going through and clearing stuff out, because until it's actually wrong, it could be helpful. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Post a job for free by going to linkedin.com slash automators. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Hiring new people is really hard. You want to get the people with the right skills and abilities, but you really need the right attitude as well. And it's so easy to get hung up in the hiring process on the skills and abilities part than to hire someone to find out they don't really fit. Well, with LinkedIn Jobs, this gets way easier. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. So your network can help you find the right people to hire. 
Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And when you've solved that problem of skills and experience, then you can also find the right fit. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find just the right candidate you want to talk to and faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash automators. That's linkedin.com slash automators to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. All right, Rose. Uh, so I'm not doing a lot of automation with if this, then that, and some of the online, like, you know, Zapier stuff, because I have my database stored locally, but mm-hmm. you are on the high wire and you teased us earlier. So what exactly are you doing with these cloud-based automation tools? Well, I'm doing a lot of things. Um, and it, it really depends on like what the question is, uh, because I've got so many different solutions to problems. Um, and One of the things that I do is whenever I have an idea for an automator's topic is uh, I will just go through and try and pull that, that, throw that data into an Obsidian folder called automators, um, where I've got, you know, something with all the tags of podcast ideas. But then whenever I create a show note, okay, because we use uh, Airtable for our backend, it goes ahead and creates a Google Doc for me. But if... I have done some good naming, uh, which is very reliant on me having named my note the same way that my that the Google Doc is, uh, is named um, or the title of the show is named, not necessarily the Google Doc. Then uh, it will also add a note into my OmniFocus saying, hey, you know, like, don't forget to prep the show notes for this show of automators, due date, recording date of this. And it pulls in a link to my Obsidian note inside that OmniFocus task for me. Um, and it does that by, you know, there's, there's, uh, a, a, some, some search involved through, uh, Dropbox actually to find that. And then it, it just sort of cobbles it together. It's not perfect, but it works pretty well. And that's not retrieving data. Cause I'm not actually reading data out and specifically, it's just giving me a link to the data so that I can do the thing that I want when I, when I want to. Um, and if it, if I've managed to get the URL totally wrong, then it's not giving you a link to a random markdown file in my Dropbox folder. Uh, which, you know, is fine for you, but it might be a bit confusing for some of our guests. But the other thing that I do is when I have certain projects kick off and and do things, then they will create a file or a folder inside of Obsidian for me with a template of data in there. And in that YAML header, as as I mentioned before, it will have, um, you know, hashtag to do or just the tag to do noted so that I can see all the things that are like still to be done. And this is really helpful when I've been working with some friends on certain projects, whenever they assign uh, certain things to me in whatever systems it is we're using, it doesn't matter whether or not I love or hate that system uh, or how good or janky that system might be on whatever uh, app platform it is that I'm using at the time. If I need to write stuff about it, it will just throw a note into the right Obsidian folder for me and have it to do. And then I can see all the things that I've needed to write um, and I've done, but also all the things I still need to write um, or do for those people. And it's not managing my tasks. It is just going, hey, like this is a thing that you're supposed to be writing about at some point. Here's here's the file to write about it in. But because of the templates um, and being able to put stuff in there, 
you know, just automatically, it works incredibly well. And it's, you know, I, I, I actually started um, doing something similar to this using drafts of all things where um, I like to have lists that I can just append stuff to. Um, but trying to find the name of all the lists that you've got through a URL scheme doesn't work very well. So drafts can actually just use Dropbox's API. It's got full support for that to get a list of all the folders inside of a folder. So I have a folder called lists and that gets actually the files in that folder and it just gives me the title of the files so that I can then go, hey, this is the one that I want to just append these things to. Go for it. Done. And that led me to think, wait, there's a whole bunch of other things that I want to just be able to, you know, keep track of. And I kind of fell down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, I, I think you found a way. And of course it works for you because you, you've been very careful about the way you set it up. Like you said earlier, you've got one sync location because you're double syncing and that can lead yeah. to conflicts. But it makes sense. I, for me, the way I work, honestly, I can write most of those automations into Keyboard Maestro. Uh, I don't need the, the web to trigger them. I guess a way yeah. I could do something like that is I could do a... Um, you know, a magic URL that the keyboard maestro would see. And then that would yeah. do the same thing and I could do it locally and keep it there. But I just don't feel like I have much need for it right now, but I do think it's cool that you're pulling that off. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's really helpful when like stuff is assigned to me in a system that needs me to like go away and think about and write notes about and stuff and do that because like that trigger is online and it doesn't matter if I'm online at that moment or not. Um, like that thing is still needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and I don't like it's the push versus pull, right? I'm pushing data in like automatically instead of something having to go and pull the data out. And sometimes I found that, the, you know, sometimes going through and pulling the data out is a much better solution because especially if you wait a little while, the thing that was pushed to you by accident no longer exists. Right. And so when you when you go and pull the data, it's been cleaned up. But also then you have to have something that triggers the pull. And pulling data through can be, you know, it can be perfect and sometimes it can be imperfect. And I mean, realistically, the, the best solution is to sync, sync, right? Where you're doing pushing and pulling. You're going, hey, have you got anything for me? And it's going, yeah. hey, I've got something for you whenever it does. Um, but I tend to stick with like push this stuff to me when it's it's given to me so that I don't have to go pull because I do go through and I tweak and I play with all of my automations all the time. Um, and I find I'm much more likely to break something that pulls than I am to break something that pushes. And more importantly, if I break something that pushes, I find out about it very quickly. If I break something that pulls, I might not find out about it until I'm overdue with something. Until it's too late, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that for me, is, is the difference where if I can have stuff pushed to me, then it, it tends to just, you know, even if it's, only pushing it and then something else is going, hey, okay, cool. These things have arrived. I'm going to go clean them up now. You know, I have some stuff just dumped into the folder and then Hazel goes, hey, I see you. I see you're missing a whole bunch of data. Let me just sort that out for you. Here you go. Done. And it's like, thanks, Hazel. You're doing all the hard work for me. Wonderful. Um, you know, so it's kind of a two-parter. You know, stuff gets pushed down in the really raw basic form and then it gets tidied up and polished locally into something that actually gets handled. But it, it doesn't really matter which it is as long as the data gets into the system. And, and for me, like being able to get the data into the system, like that's often the weak part of like my personal workflow. So I found that by using automation to solve that, then the rest of it tends to just 
glide along a lot more easily. Well, either way, we've been going at it a while now, and you can see there are just so many ways to automate Obsidian because for the last time, it's a folder full of markdown folders. Files. Oh, yeah. yeah. But either way, uh, it, look, it, it, we've got a forum. You can weigh in. There is a lot more to cover with Obsidian. Let us know what your thoughts are. Maybe we're going to do I think we should do a feedback show pretty soon anyway. We're about due for one. Let us know what you're doing that's fun with Obsidian. And uh, hopefully we gave you some good ideas today. We want to thank our sponsors, Setup, Doppler, Trade, and LinkedIn Jobs. We're the automators. You can find us at relay.fm slash automators. Uh, This is show 109, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye, folks.